Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Mind in America, where today we are speaking to Mackenzie Lyon, VP of External Affairs with Perpetua Resources. Am I getting it correct? Perpetua That's Resources. It. Excellent. That's right. And your symbol is PPTA on both the NASDAQ and the TSX, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Welcome, Mackenzie. Well, thank you, Janet. I appreciate uh, being able to join you today. We've, we've had uh, several conversations. I, I um, have enjoyed all of them. And I want to get into a couple of topics that we are like-minded on. Uh, why mining matters and community engagement, um, my favorite topics. Um, but first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. So I, I come to mining really having started out as a skeptic. I am a girl who grew up here in Idaho and for most of my life saw mining only for what it had left behind many generations ago. And I didn't fully see what mining was today. And I started off in this career on, a, on the consultant side and had what was then Midas Gold and is now Perpetua Resources knock on our door. And I remember going to my colleagues and saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about helping mining come to my backyard. And it really started with a colleague who said, well, they probably need your skepticism. And then there were really three things that changed me from that skeptic to an advocate. And that's first meeting the people, understanding who is behind American mining today, that we shared values, that I saw their interest in protecting their own backyards and in really approaching these matters from a very holistic scientific background. The second thing is I saw the, the environment in which mining occurs in this country today, where there is really intense oversight and a robust permitting process to make sure it's being done right. And then finally, it was a recognition of, I'm a, I'm a user of all of these products. So what role do I play in wanting to make sure that they're being produced in a way that matches my values? And, and so here I find myself today uh, working for this really remarkable project here in central Idaho and putting a lot of these things into action when we talk about how we advocate for mining today. Well, I, I love your messaging and, um, and I agree with you. There's a lot of education needed uh, in, the, in the communities, in the population at large about mining. It's been really sort of backburnered for so long in terms of, of um, why, it, why it matters. But, but first, uh, tell me about your project because I actually, I, I've known about your project for a number of years through different people that have been involved with it, but your project, uh, please go ahead. Absolutely. So the Stibnite Gold Project is located in, in central Idaho. It's about five hours from where I sit here in Boise. And there are really three things that make it unique. One is that it's on the site of an abandoned mine site. So a site that had been mined for over, or saw mining activity for over a hundred years. And then everyone walked away, leaving um, open the, the future of the environment of this site. 
Second, we have both one of the um, largest open pit gold resources in the country and what would be the only resource of the critical mineral antimony. Antimony is needed for uh, the energy uh, industry, for technology, and very importantly, in the defense industry as well. And then finally, it's our approach. We thought very quickly and very early that we needed to be able to prioritize how we were going to bring solutions, solutions to the leg environmental legacies of this site, but also the approach that we were going to bring to our communities that we were gonna to have to earn trust. So really the whole vision of this project started that you can go back to an abandoned mine site and you can redevelop it for the minerals that are there while at the same time using those resources to invest back into the environmental solutions that are needed at a legacy site. And we are now over seven years into our NEPA process. We are getting very close to those final milestones, but one of the most exciting things about that is that the environmental permitting process is proving our vision. The science, the investigation, the stakeholder engagement, and the, the study of it is now showing that we can indeed, through mining, leave the environmental conditions of this site better than they are today. Improved water quality, improved habitat, improved fish access. And that's a really cool, very remarkable thing to be able to say that we can mine and leave it better. And that's a vision that we are really, really proud of today. Well, and I love that you came into the industry as a skeptic and mm -hmm. bought into it. Um, I came in through a very different route as well, um, along the same sort of lines that, that you came in. I'm not on the environmental science, but I came in through community. And I do think um, we need more women like you in mining. We need more women in mining, um, but but it's it's growing, and and I know it's not always an easy easy road. But how have you found the career opportunities um, for yourself in the industry? That's such a great topic, and I absolutely agree with you. We need to be an industry that welcomes, and not just welcomes, but really creates the space for diversity. And so you know, I came in through like I said, kind of an unusual path. I was working on the external affairs, public affairs side. And, and then I saw this company who had a vision that was so different than what I had expected. And again, opened my eyes to the opportunity. And then they brought in a female CEO. And when they brought in a female leader to take on the helm, it was so clear to me that this was the opportunity, that my input would be valued, that the different way of thinking about problems that oftentimes women can bring to the table when it comes to dealing with conflict and finding solutions was really, really important to me. I didn't want to be a part of a mining company that just felt like they had to go fight, you know, loggerheads with everyone. Instead, I wanted to be a part of a mining company that was looking for creative solutions in an inclusive way. And by bringing in a female CEO, 
it was apparent to me that this company could do that. And so I knew that not only would my voice matter, but that the approach was going to be one where I wanted to define my career. And I absolutely believe that bringing more women into the industry isn't just a matter of talking about it. We have to show, we have to show women that this is a place where you belong and, and really be proud of it and, and make sure that we are, you know, moving our elbows around to make sure that we're making that kind of space um, and encouraging that kind of leadership at, at all levels of the industry in all spaces, but we can bring uh, a creativity and a different perspective that I think is going to be the key to the success of this industry. Because if we keep on doing the same old thing, we're going to get the same old results. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I ran a, I was the CEO of a, of a gold company and I, I was unaware of the impact that would have on the number of women that I would eventually uh, have working for me. Um, really, today you know, we have, 40% of our company is female yeah, and 63% of the leadership team is female because of that, because women see it and say, Oh, I can belong there. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I had to, had to fight sometimes. <laughs> it's not always easy. <laughs> it's not, you know, and it, and it kind of throws people off because they don't expect it. Right. But um, mm -hmm. it no, was... it's actually been really interesting for that reason where um, I think actually as a company, we've been able to get a little more attention from maybe people who were also skeptics because they see a female leadership team walk in and very quickly it's known this is going to be different. There is something unique here and we can literally put that new face on mining just by showing we're, we're not what you expect. And that can create, that has a lot of power to it. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and it's so so important. I'm, I'm really pleased with with your stats, um, and it's it's it it it, it it's a movement that grows. You know, it, it attracts more talent, and it's talent that we need. We need it. We need, as you say, diversity. Uh, I, I want to go to um, you mentioned antimony as one of your by. I believe it's a byproduct, not your. It is. Yeah. Um, just we just did a podcast with Ann Bridges, who is a co-author of a book called Groundbreaking, and um, we had a long conversation on how we've lost mining domestically um, over the past six decade, decades. And I I did some research and found out that twenty two of our critical metals that we need uh, for defense, medicine, et cetera, are one hundred percent. Uh, sourced from outside the United States. So very important. And I think leads into a, a question for you. Why does domestic mining matter? Oh, it matters on so many reasons. I think biggest, most globally, is that if we look at the challenges coming at us, whether they are challenges of climate change, challenge of, of geopolitical influence and control or environmental and human challenges. If we continue to push the very core of all of those issues offshore, 
we lose control of access, we lose control over the environmental, social, and economic conditions of production, we lose control of the solutions to those problems. And quite honestly, just looking at the production timelines alone, if there is a mineral that we need today and we don't have access to, like antimony, our project as the example that from identifying that mineral resource to getting it out of the ground, you're looking at 17 years. We don't have that kind of time to wait to solve problems, whether that problem is climate change or whether that problem is all of the sudden a country that is not friendly to us has stopped shipping the thing we need. And then, it's, and then what happens to our ability to access the technology and the manufacturing that we need? We are left vulnerable and we cannot control our future unless we can control the minerals that make that future. And antimony is a great example of that. Today, there are no domestically mined sources of antimony. The only domestic sources right now come from recycled um, antimony, predominantly lead acid batteries. You can access all of the types of antimony you need uh, for multiple pro uh, products, excuse me, uh, from recycled sources. And yet today, 90% of the global supply of antimony is controlled by China, Russia, and Tajikistan. So yeah. why would we care? Why would that matter? Well, if all of the wiring in your home, for example, needs antimony as a fire retardant. So from the every single everyday matter of our lives, we're using antimony. But bigger picture for climate change, for example, antimony is a key component in grid storage battery technology that we are going to need in order to transition our grids to clean energy. And then finally, from a defense standpoint, Antimony trisulfide is used in dozens of ammunition types as the primer. So without it, without a source of antimony trisulfide, the exact type that you can uh, that you find at Stivnite, Idaho with our project, we don't have access to the very foundational components of our national defense. And that should be worrisome to every single American uh, that we have lost control of the thing that, that establishes our national security at its base. You know, you, you raise a number of points that I want to hit on. Um, the, 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 the U.S. has a stringent uh, regulatory regime that, that should be a factor in wanting to see uh, minerals sourced domestically rather than a third world country where the mm -hmm. uh, human rights and labor code and environmental standards may not be of, of the same caliber. Um, but the other one that you raise is, is the timelines. Um, when people, and this applies a lot to our high-tech industry and, and military, when you need a, a, a mineral, you need it now. And I'd like to see where we get to a place where there's a push to accelerate timelines for the regulatory regime and there's incentives 
provided for people to push for domestic production. And, and I think it's coming. I, I, I think people are going to start having to uh, seriously consider those options in order to deal with our national security. I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things that we are seeing over the last couple of years is a real bipartisan recognition of just that. That whether you care about uh, environmental protection or solutions to climate change or our role on the global stage from a geopolitical standpoint or national security, if you care about any of those things, you care about domestic production of, of minerals. And I, so it's it's really been exciting to see us kind of get over that first step. And now the question is, okay, well, how can we ensure and how can we communicate that we do produce here responsibly and, and help our communities and help our leaders, our political leaders, get more exposure to, well, what does mining look like today here? How are we already doing it in you know, the safest, most controlled, uh, most sustainable way? And, I, and then I think that's on us. We've got to do a better job showing and telling who we are and how we are operating in this country today. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree so much. I think the mining industry has for so, for so many decades taken a duck and, duck and cover mentality and when really they should be quite proud of the progress, the technological advances, the, the environmental uh, standards that have been adhered to and, and community engagement. And, and I wanna go there next. Um, because I could get stuck on this whole domestic production for a long time. Uh, I think COVID and the Ukraine war has really brought a focus and our time is right to, to be looking at um, advancing more domestic production. But, but let's go to community um, because I know you're quite involved in, in that part of the business. And um, just a little bit about why uh, why community engagement is so critical to what you do? First of all, it's critical on a personal standpoint because this this is my home. I want to make sure that everyone from you know my family to my neighbors understand and have full visibility into this project, the opportunities it brings and and how it's going to be done. And, you know, what you said earlier about, you know, oftentimes as an industry, we kind of had that duck and cover mode, right? Or mentality. But in fact, when we can get out early and we can first listen, when we can, we can take in and, and learn more about our community, learn more about its needs and learn more about our community's perception of mining. What are they concerned about? What do they want it to do? And, and what are they worried it might do? When we can first listen and let us listen honestly, take in that information and, and make sure that we use it to revise or to inform what our mining plan looks like. Where are we gonna put that road? What will access look like? What kind of jobs might be available? being able to take in that feedback, bring it into our projects and help inform what our projects look like. 
help build social license and social support. And so not only is it the right thing to do from a responsibility standpoint, but it's also the smart thing to do from a business standpoint, because the more we can show through the NEPA process to our regulators, to our political leaders, that this project is wanted and that the company has done it the right way to ensure that there is transparency and accountability to our communities, that we've taken in that feedback, the stronger our NEPA process will be. And, you know, one of the things I love the most about, you know, the ESG conversations happening out there right now that, that really do focus a lot on social license is this idea that doing business the right way is good for business. And they're not, they're not separable, right? I have to do the right thing by our community. Otherwise, my business won't be a success. And it's that shift in thinking that we are not on, on opposite sides here from our community. And instead, we have so many opportunities to, to build real infrastructure and to really illustrate how successful we can be together. One of my favorite things that we uh, did very early on was first create a community agreement that wasn't about impacts at first. Instead, it was just a what's the structure of how we are going to communicate? What's and how do we build to ensure that throughout the life of the project, our communities have access to, to our to, to the leadership of this company, and that we've got communities communicating to us from the very start. And that was really important. And then it allows you to find opportunities where, you know, here in Idaho, dark skies are really an incredible asset to this state. And we took inspiration from that. And we said, okay, well, how can we do our best to make sure that we are protecting this asset? And so it, we worked with conservation groups to identify, well, how can business, you know, working 24 hours a day, seven day or seven days a week, all year round in, in a remote location, what kind of practices could we implement to be sensitive and to, to do our part to protect dark skies? And so these opportunities exist, but we don't know it until we start again with listening and understanding the values of our communities and working towards those together. I like what you say about listening first. I, I went uh, to a rural community once and um, it was the community dinner is a way to meet people. And, and when I stood up in front of the community, they asked where the usual corporate presentation was and I didn't have one. And I said, why would I give you one when I don't know what you want to hear? And yes. so, and it started things different. But see, I was listening to, to you here now. What is dark skies? Dark skies. Okay, thank you. So dark skies here in Idaho, we have we are incredibly remote and we are then blessed with lower light pollution so that through dark skies, we can see the night sky. And we have some of the most visible night sky in the lower 48. And because of our wilderness areas and our protected areas and just the remoteness of the state. So we have many communities throughout the state who are adopting dark skies ordinances, which start with some very simple practices of 
only lighting at night what you need to light and making sure that that light is pointed in the right direction. Let's point it down, let's not point it up. And then using the right temperature of lighting. And one of my, the thing I really, um, I loved about our study was that we could do those things and we could reduce our light footprint and it would save us money as a company and provide a safer working environment for our workforce. And again, it's these examples of win, win, win for everybody when we take the time to listen and plan and, you know, think a little differently. I, I, um, I always use the, the line that uh, I want to be a good neighbor, that um, when you move into a neighborhood and you um, don't know your neighbors and you build a 10 foot wall around your property, you're probably not going to make all your neighbors happy. So coming in, talk to people, figure out what being a good neighbor looks like. The one thing I, I, I'm really keen on is economic impact from uh, at the community level jobs, business taxes, um, very important, I would imagine, as part of what you're doing as well. Oh, absolutely. I think foremost is the fact that we can bring family wage jobs to rural Idaho. One of the first things we heard from our community was that they are concerned that the economic base in the county right now means that their kids don't have a job to stay for. So instead, we're seeing this generational drain out of our rural communities in Idaho because the jobs aren't there to sustain families and to sustain generations. So the idea that we can provide, you know, very well-paying jobs, two to three times the average of the local um, salary in the, in the region that keeps kids home, that keeps families home, keeps Idahoans home also and so from there to commitments to you know the local working with local vendors working to train uh local idahoans for for jobs we're also not only just looking at you know the immediate what happens in construction and operations but also really looking to the long-term economic impact that a mine can provide recognizing that we won't be there forever and because of that, we started a, as a part of our community agreement, a foundation. We call it the Stibnite Foundation, and it's built off of a model that today will make milestone payments as we can into the foundation to build an endowment. But once we are in operations, it'll then be on a profit sharing model. So about 1% back to our local communities that through an endowment, can last for generations in a lasting economic impact, not intended to offset the impacts of the mine, but instead intended to help fund social programs uh, that would uh, that that help promote our our a healthy community. Um, you know the research is is it's pretty clear as we've outsourced minerals and outsourced mining and outsourced manufacturing we've we've watched rural America uh, wither up and um, you want to build rural America build a mine um, I, you're so right um, McKinsey it's been wonderful chatting with you today I'm um, 
I'm really excited about your project and I'm very happy that you decided that the mining industry was a good place to be. Well, I have to tell you, I'm very proud to be here. I think this industry is really on a footing to do some incredible things in this country. And thank you for having me on and letting me talk about it a little bit and for the work that you're doing to, again, tell these stories in mining because that is such an important part of our success. If we, if we can do uh, our little bit to help educate and bring awareness to what is the foundational industry for building wealth and uh, an economy. So thank you again and good luck and, and let, keep, let, let's uh, stay in touch and um, keep me up to date on your project. Absolutely. Sounds well, good. Thank you so much, Janet. Thank you. And thank you everyone. <laughs> joining us today. Um, stay tuned uh, for our next uh, adventure.